All right, let's dive right into it. We're in the, we're finishing up a series today. Uh, the series is called Ark. And, uh, so this is the last of three. So let me catch everybody up. Uh, give me about three or four minutes to catch everybody up. Uh, so if you've been here for the series, this is just a reminder. Uh, if you haven't been here, we're going to catch you up right now. So, uh, the Ark. Uh, is being signified with this boat, okay? So, uh, for those of you that don't know your, your Bible real well, there was a flood thousands of years ago, uh, and God flooded the entire earth except for a guy named Noah. He put Noah and his family and all the animals in this boat and, and, uh, and kept them safe. Uh, the boat represents the trend and direction of your life. Uh, that is what God is most concerned about the trend and direction of your life. Now, the enemy, uh, Satan will speak to you and try to make you feel bad if you say something bad. And you, you know, all of a sudden you say something and you wish you didn't say it. Um, and the enemy will come rushing in like a flood to try to make you feel bad and make you feel like spit. And if you do something else wrong and then you miss church and it's just like, oh my goodness. And it just, that is not from God. Any thought that makes you feel bad about yourself is not from God. God, what he does is see there's condemnation that makes you feel bad. And then there's conviction that makes you say, God, I'm sorry. I need you. I want you. It's totally different. So when you feel bad, just know that's not from God. The only thing that God cares about is not whether or not you're perfect because he knows you can't be. He knows I can't be. The only thing that he cares about is your average is what is the trend and direction of your life. I gave this example on the first week of this series. My dad is always trying to stay consistent with his diet. And every time he eats some sugar, he calls me up. Every time. I did it again! I did it again! He calls me up all the time. I did it again! And and I keep laughing over the phone. I'm like, Dad, it doesn't matter if you eat a cookie. It doesn't matter if you call carrot cake vegetables. It doesn't matter... But, but here's the thing. It, it's, it's what is the average? What is the trend and direction? If the trend and direction of your life, Dad, is healthy eating and you have cookies, enjoy it. But if the trend and direction is you're having cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, baptized by Bluebell, blue that's a problem. It's the trend and direction of your life. So if the trend and direction of your life is going towards the Lord, you are in the boat. If the trend and direction is not going towards the Lord, don't fool yourself, don't lie to yourself, don't say, I believe in God. That doesn't mean you're in the boat just because you believe in God. Satan believes in God. Okay, so you believing in God doesn't, I mean, it's a good first step, but we got a long way to go. It's the trend and direction of your life. It's the trend, it's the averages, it's the trend and direction of your life. Um, so the, the first you establish, are you in the boat? And then you look around your life and say, do I have any family in this city? Do I have any kids, mom, dad, mammy, pappy, aunt, your mama, whoever? 
you make sure that if you have family in this city, their cute little face better be in the boat. You drag them. You grab them. You get in the boat. Now, I said this before. If they live with you, that argument is pretty easy. Because you make a deal and you say, you've got to come to church at least once a month. Otherwise, you can't live here. <laughs> you can't live here. He who pays the bills makes the rules. It's somewhere in the Bible. I wrote it in the Bible, but it's somewhere in there. Write that down. He who pays the bills makes the rules. So, so here we go. You make sure your family is in the boat. And you text them and you make a deal with them. And you say at least once a month, twice a month. Start with four and work your way. You know, do your negotiating thing. And you say, well, I, yeah, I don't want them to think I'm crazy. <laughs> don't take this personal. They're your family. They already know you're crazy. You get them in the boat because you and I cannot be satisfied being in the boat alone because we turn around and we look at a seat and we know who should be sitting in that seat. You nag them, you call them. And then for some of us, and I'm in this, no pun intended, but I'm in this boat of, I don't have family in the area. Um, I have no family in there, but what I have is I have friends that are a lot like family. And, uh, and we talked about this last week. Some friends are siblings we met later in life. Uh, you know, I'll give you a good example. Uh, John, why don't you stand up, John? Uh, I met John when I was 17. That was like two years ago. Um, <laughs> and when I was 17. And uh, actually, uh, we met, let me just, you guys are going to figure out my age. We met almost 20, uh, longer than 20 years ago. And you know what makes me mad? is he looks just, he looks, 20 years ago, he looked just like that. <laughs> Turn around and look at everybody. Look, his hair is jet black, man. <laughs> He's never dyed his hair in his life. Look at me. I don't, why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? That is not fair. But anyway, you get your friends in the boat. If you have a really good friend that is at home right now, that is not cool. That is not cool. Get them in the boat once a month, twice a month, whatever. Make a deal. Offer to buy them a subway after church. Make a deal. Get them in the boat. It is by far the most important thing you and I will ever do with our life. Now, let me give us some new content to kind of chew on just for a little bit. When we back up, and we think about our lives, and this is the title, there are moments that make us. Moments that make us. Many of us owe ourselves the best part of ourselves to the toughest seasons of our life. We owe the best part of ourselves to the toughest seasons of our life. What do I mean by that? Think about the toughest seasons of your life. Think about those seasons where it almost broke you. And all of us have about three or four of them. Now, we've all, we have hundreds of bad days, but I'm talking about those seasons. You know which ones I'm talking about. 
three or four of them that almost broke you. We owe the best part of ourselves, the best part of ourselves to those seasons. So the seasons where somebody in our family passed away and we had to look at God and go, what is going on? What is happening? It's the seasons when we lost that job. It's those seasons where we became more humble and more hungry for the Lord. We cried out to God more during that season than we did probably in any other season. You prayed more during that season. You were more humble than that season. And and you are less arrogant today and more compassionate today because of that season. We back up the, the, the best part of ourselves we owe to the toughest seasons of our life. And those are the moments that make us. Some of you are so kind and so sweet. The reason why you're kind and you're sweet is because you went through those seasons. Those seasons made you kind and made you sweet. You know, I don't know if you've ever met some arrogant punk jerk and then they go through hell sideways and then you see them after that season is over and they're not arrogant and they're not a punk anymore. They're actually nice and kind and you think, man, what happened? It's the toughest part of our seasons we owe. See, you never know how strong you are until being strong is your only option. Then you find out, whoa, I didn't know I had that. And these are the moments that make us who we are. And Noah went through this incredibly tough season. It was so hard being in in an ark, being in a boat, but it made him. Let me let me read it to you. And, uh, it, and I've got an iPad up here, but, but I really enjoy just old school Bible. And, and what I've learned is, is when you see somebody who has a Bible falling apart, their life is not. Just a thought. Okay, uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, reads like this. But God remembered Noah... And all the wild animals and the livestock with him in the boat, he sent a wind to blow across the earth. And the flood waters began to recede. The underground waters stopped flowing, and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped. So the flood waters gradually receded from the earth after 150 days. After a hundred, after you're in the boat for a hundred and actually he was in the boat for almost a year, but the waters didn't start receding until after 150 days. Now let's just hit pause for a minute. You're in a boat with 5,000 animals. For a year. Go there. What does that boat smell like? Sometimes you can be in the perfect will of God and be surrounded with a bunch of smelly. That was free. Just because life stinks doesn't mean that you're not in the perfect will of God. I'm not going to preach a different message. I'm going to stay here. See, I've been, I've been blessed with ADD. A deeper dimension. 
but it works again. <laughs> it works against me sometimes. All right, so here we go. Those of you that have ADD, we can have uh, coffee together afterwards, if I remember. <laughs> All right, here we go. The boat came to a rest on the mountain of Ariot two and a half months later. As the waters continued to go down, other mountain peaks became visible. Let's just unpack those five verses just for a few moments. And what we're going to see is four moments that make us. There were four moments that made Noah who he was. Those same moments make us. And when I say them, you'll say to yourself, I've had that moment or I'm in that moment right now. Moment number one is this season of isolation. This season, watch this, in verse number one it says, God didn't forget about Noah and all the animals in the boat. It, isolation means alone. And when I read that, I thought to myself, I read one verse in that chapter and I went, God didn't forget. Now why in the world would that even be in the Bible? God didn't forget. And then it dawned on me. It's probably in the Bible because Noah thought it. He's like, what in the world? I'm in this boat for 150, it's been nine months, it's been nearly a year. I'm surrounded with a bunch of smelly animals. At some point, Jacob, he had to have thought, I'm supposed to be out of this thing by now. Come on. At some point, he had to have felt forgotten. And all of us go through that season where we back up and we say to ourselves, God, if this is the plan, when is it this season going to be over? Because what's up? And isn't it true that when we are going through those seasons of wondering if God forgot us, Going through those seasons of feeling isolated, we're doing everything we know how to do. We're going to church, we're giving our offering, we're worshiping the songs that we don't even know the words to, we're doing the best we can, and nothing seems to be changing. And then sure enough, there's somebody else whose life is going awesome. <laughs> and they're like, man, isn't God good? And you're like, yeah. Doesn't that always happen? It's like somebody right in the middle of a tough season, you meet somebody and they're like, God is good all the time. God is good. I'm blessed and highly favored. And you're like, that's cool, man. That's cool. I, I've been in this season. And what I've learned is that there's three hour problems. There's three week problems. There's three month problems. And then there's three year problems. You can almost take 99% of your problems and fit them into one of those categories. But during the, the, the problems that are in, let's say, the three-week, three-month, or three-year problems, and sometimes they're longer than that. It's like 1% of our problems are longer than that. Um, but most of them fit into those, those windows. But you back up and you say to yourself, when I'm going through that, I cannot believe that this is still happening. Sometimes you just want a different problem. I'll take, I just don't want this problem anymore. Have you ever had a financial stress and you're like, I'll take any problem except for this one. And then somebody in the family, maybe it's you, you get sick and then you realize that when you have your health, you have a great life. How many of you have had to cross that bridge? If you have your health, you have a great life. 
I'm not going to chase that, but just let that resonate in your heart. So there's this season of isolation that we feel. But what's interesting is that the word in Hebrew, when they translated it from Hebrew to English, something got lost in translation because in the Hebrew, it means exactly this, to pay special attention to. It doesn't mean for God. It means pay special attention to. So the scripture should read like this, and God paid special attention to Noah and the ark and the animals. When you and I are in the middle of a season, we can feel completely isolated. But when we're out of it and we look back, look back at the three or four seasons that almost broke you, then you can see God. How many of you can look back and say, wow, God kept me in his hand. If it, if it weren't for God. Has anyone ever said a sentence like that? If it weren't for God. If it weren't for God. You are exactly right. If it weren't for God, you would have had a hole in your boat. You would have sunk like a rock through a spider web. If it weren't for God. That's exactly right. During the toughest seasons, he has got special attention on you. I'd like for you to write down two scriptures that can help us get through these seasons. In Psalms 34, 18, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirit is crushed. In Psalms 145, 18, it says, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. Some of us, here's the reality. I want so badly, because I feel it in my heart, I want so badly to just stop right here. Because I know we're in a room with people whose spirit is crushed. We all have our Sunday smile on, but our spirit is crushed. I just want you to know that the Lord is paying special attention to you. Special attention to you. And he is a whisper away. A whisper. Uh, When I study this story, I see clearly that hardship always preludes promotion. So when you're going through a difficult season, when I'm going through a difficult season, we can back up and say something good must be around the corner. Have you ever noticed that thieves robbers never rob abandoned buildings. If you go downtown Houston, inside the loop, right around the corner from Minute Maid Park, you will see some abandoned buildings with broken windows. I just want to let you know, there no thieves go there. None. No robbers, no thieves, because there's nothing valuable in there. If hell is coming to you, those who come to rob, steal, and destroy, there must be something valuable in there that you don't see. You can't see it, but hell can see it and is coming after it. So just hang on. Just hang on. I'm telling you, I know you feel isolated. I know you feel alone. I've been there. I can preach isolation until I'm blue in the face and I got things coming out of my neck. I can preach it all day long because I know it. But sure enough, or show enough, 
as soon as you can get out of that season, you can back up and you begin to recognize opportunities and relationships and seasons and you back up and go, ah, this feels good. That's what hell was trying to keep you from. Let me go to the second point. After that season of isolation, there's this wind that comes and, and the wind is, is, is tumultuous. Let me, let me read this to you. He sent a wind to blow across the waters and the floods began to disappear. Wind is situations you don't see coming. See, here, Noah is in the ark. He's been there longer than he wants to be. And then all of a sudden, he feels wind. <laughs> Have you ever thought, it's getting worse? (laughs) Have you ever thought that? I thought I was almost out. It's getting worse. I was talking to somebody who's raising a teenage son. Does anyone have teenagers in the room? I think we should just pray for you you guys right now. (laughs) Would you just pray for me? I, I haven't got there yet. She's 11. And I can smell trouble. I can smell it. She rolled her eyes at me the other day. I was like, I'll throw something. (laughs) See, I was raised by an Italian and a Brazilian. I don't raise kids. We throw things. But anyway. <laughs> but, but when when you look at a teenager and you're like, I've been praying for them, and then all of a sudden you think you see the turn, and all of a sudden they get worse. It's like, or you have somebody at work and you want that relationship to get better. I feel like this is for somebody, and all of a sudden you have a really good day with them, and you're like, yes. And then the next day it gets worse. That's what wind is. You don't see wind coming. And you don't know when it's going to stop. And you don't know where it came from because you didn't start it. It just showed up. And it gets worse. Here's the thing about wind is it scares you. But a lot of times it causes our emotions to lie to us. They lie. The emotions, if emotions were a person, you could look at them and go, you lie, you lie, you lie, you lie. We ought to treat our emotions the way we treat people who lie. Have you ever had a friend that lies to you a lot, and now when they talk to you, you're like... Hmm. That's how we ought to treat our emotions. When we're down and depressed, we ought to go... I don't think it's really this bad. I don't think it's really this bad. Here's the reality. That emotions are our only visitors, so let's just let them go. They're visitors. The emotion that you have right now, you will not have at 1 o'clock today. And you won't have that emotion at 5 o'clock. And you won't have that emotion at 7 o'clock. Especially if the Rockets are playing. You're going to... 
emotions are visible. They come and go. They come and go. They come and go. They come and go. And we just got to back up and say, okay, I see what's happening here. The wind is scaring me. But you know what? It's a lot of it is emotion. And what's interesting is that when we read the scriptures, the wind pushed the boat onto a mountain. And while I was studying this, I started laughing. I started laughing because I, it dawned on me. I was, reading, I was reading the scriptures and I went, shut up. Before the, the, the rain came, before the storm arrived, where was the boat? On the ground. After the storm, after the rain, where was the boat? On the mountain. Sometimes it takes a storm to push us where we need to go. Sometimes it just, it, it pushes us. Here, here's the thing. Please write this down. That faith teaches you to grit your teeth through the storm. It just... The, the, the wind is not crushing you. It's not pushing you down. It's pushing you forward. It, sometimes God is to push you forward. Let me illustrate it with a story. This millionaire. And you want to know a millionaire? Imagine okay, mil, multi-millionaire. Millionaires know how to throw parties. Never been invited to one, but I've read about it. <laughs> if you're a millionaire, would you invite me to a party? Just... I was reading about it. This multimillionaire was throwing a party in his backyard. And he had lights and there's hundreds of people walking around cocktails. And he gets on this speaker. Because when you're a millionaire, you need a speaker. But he gets on this speaker in the backyard. And he says, I'm going to give $1 million away. To the person who can swim from one side of my pool to the other. And everybody looked in the pool, and all of a sudden they saw or noticed these alligators in the pool. All of a sudden there was like this splash. And this guy was swimming like Michael Phelps. Swimming like spinks for those of us that have a little bit of seasoning in our life. Spink going across the water. He gets up on the other side of the pool, drenched, soaking wet, tuxedo. They come up and they say, Where did you find the courage to jump into that pool? You say, I, I don't know about courage, but I want to find the guy who pushed me. See, sometimes somebody's just got to push you into something you don't want to be in. Just push you in there. The wind has just got... It's like, Noah, you're on the ground. I want you on the mountain. This isn't going to feel good, but here we go. See, some of us, are, we're still in the storm. We're still hanging on in the boat. We're, we're just trying the best we can. We're doing the best we can. Hey, get in the boat, Johnny. Get in the boat. Well, I'm falling. Grab me. I'm falling out of the boat. All this is happening, just focusing on the trend and direction of our life. And there's wind, problems, situations we didn't see coming. God is pushing you. Not crushing you, pushing you.
paying special attention to you. Hang on to that. So there's the isolation. There's, there's the, the, the season of feeling pushed by the wind. And it feels like it's crushing us. Cutting at us. But something beautiful has actually taken place. Um, uh, is my brother Jonathan, Jonathan, should we lower these or is it going to be okay? Let's lower it. Because this video is so cool uh, I don't want uh, the, the sunlight to, to crush it because I think it's really, really cool. Uh, because I feel like this video illustrates something that just has no value at all. And then all of a sudden, it goes through this metamorphosis, this process, this cutting. And it, it's super cool. So why don't you take a look at this? cool? How many of you would want one of those in your yard? Wouldn't that be cool? How many of you want to go through a year and a half of a dead tree sitting in your front yard though? (laughs) See, nobody wants, everybody wants the destination without the process. Everybody wants the mountaintop without the wind. Remember this in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. If there's something going on in your life, and you can just leave the shades down, Jonathan. If there's something going on in your life that's not beautiful, it's only because it's not time yet. Everything is beautiful in its time. Number three is water. So the first one is isolation. Second one is wind. The third one is water. Now watch this. For the subterranean water sources ceased their gushing. Subterranean, that's... so. Watch this. Here's the boat. Here's water. Here's the earth. Water's under the earth. It stops. Noah doesn't know it stopped. It's subterranean. It's under here. He doesn't know it stopped. So here he is. I can't take much more. Have you ever prayed that prayer? If you haven't, 
Keep it to yourself. I can't take much more. Let's take a vote. Do you guys want the shades up or down? Up. Y'all don't even care. Put them up. All right, so here we go. Let's, let's, I want it to stop. So it's underneath the ground. Now, oftentimes, if you're taking notes, write this down. God sends his orders long before we witness them. He, he's, sometimes he stops it and we haven't even seen it happen yet. When Daniel prayed the prayer, God, would you please help me? The moment he prayed that prayer, he sent Gabriel down to bless Daniel. What's interesting, though, is Gabriel is not a fighting angel. He doesn't carry a sword. He's not a fighting angel. So he's coming down with this blessing. He's coming down to Daniel. Daniel's praying. He's coming. On his way down, demons see Gabriel coming down. Daniel's praying. He doesn't see the angel coming down. Dear God, please. The moment he prayed, God, please. Here comes Gabriel. He's got the blessing. Demons fly up. Sing, throwing stars. Here's here's Gabriel. He's not a fighting angel. He's stuck. He whistles. Can, thank you. He, he whistles. Here comes Michael. He's a bad boy. He's the archangel. Gabriel backs up. They're fighting. And then he reaches Daniel. How do we know this is true? He shows up to Daniel. <sighs> Daniel's praying. He looks up. He sees Gabriel and has the audacity to say, where have you been? <laughs> Daniel says, look, the moment you prayed, God sent me. I got stuck up in the heavenlies. It's taken me a while to get here. You didn't see that your prayer was answered 21 days ago. It was your job just to keep on praying and stay faithful. We don't see the answer to our prayer. Long after sometimes God sent it. What's happening? There's something in you. There's something special holding it up. We got to be faithful enough. It's subterranean. He stopped it long before you ever saw it come. We've got to be faithful through that. Things are happening in the invisible. How many of you remember those phones? Pick up the phone. You go. (laughs) Take you like 45 minutes to call someone out of country. (laughs) Get carpal tunnel. Just. Right? If we could go back in time, even further than that, how many, I wasn't alive for this, but you talk on the phone like, raise your hand if you were alive for that. You, really? I want a picture with you after service. If we could go back to that and say, one of these days, you're going to have one of these. No wires. And, and then that person, let's just call him Jim, that person would say, no way, no way, no way. How is, your, how, how is this, your voice going to go into here and go over there? And then we would say, waves. 
radio waves, electromagnetic waves, and other big word waves. <laughs> waves. And they would say back with their watch sitting right here, they would go, that's impossible. That's impossible. Waves are in the ocean. No, 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 no. There's waves that you cannot see. They're all around you. You're on crack, and we don't even know what crack is. <laughs> we would say waves, and, and what's going to happen is you could, in, in the, you remember in the 80s, they had boom boxes? Boom, boom. Raise your hand. Boom, 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 boom. See, if you're younger than 20, you think I'm nuts right now. But this was really cool. Boom, 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 boom. Now, radios, they don't even have buttons anymore. Now, you can take your phone. Hold on, Jim. There's a remote control to send waves over here in the invisible. Waves. How does that happen? Waves. Let me just tell you exactly how it works. I, I tried to memorize it, but it was just... Here we go. When you chat with your friend on your cell phone, your phone converts your voice into an electrical signal, which is then transmitted. Okay, let's stop there. Electrical signal. So when you say, hey, Bob, it goes... Oh, I'm doing well. How's it going? This is all happening with invisible waves. It's phenomenal. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I'm not done yet. The network of cell towers then relays the radio wave to your friend's cell phone. Now keep in mind, you're not the only one talking on a cell. Millions of all happening in the air on waves. So it goes through, which converts it to an electrical signal and then back to sound again. So first it's sound. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Oh, that fast. How is that happening? It's invisible waves that are around us right now if you could like do i dream of genie dink and you could see you would see waves all in this room and you believe it because you use them we should have no problem backing up and saying to ourselves the man who controls the wind and the waves is moving on my behalf in the supernatural, in the invisible. I just haven't seen it visible yet. I just haven't seen it yet. It's subterranean. See, uh, we ought to just get a bumper sticker on our car and just say, my blessing is in the subterranean. My Rolls Royce is in the subterranean. It just hasn't got here yet. Let's put that on the back of our Pinto. But my, my <laughs> It's in the subterranean. Oh man, that's so that I don't know. It was fun to talk about if it wasn't good. <laughs> Number four. My last and final point. Mountain peaks. So there's isolation. There's wind. 
There's water and then mountain peaks. Isolation, wind, water, mountain peaks. Watch this. The Bible says that Noah's in the ark. He looks out the window and he sees mountain peaks. Mountain peaks are so important to this story. Now, when you look out the window, those mountain peaks, those little tiny mountain peaks, I say little tiny because when they're in a distance, they seem small. It's so interesting to me that God's signs are everywhere, but they're easy to miss. The reason why they're easy to miss is because they're small. If you look through the scriptures at all the signs that God used, they're so small, you could almost miss them. Elijah was praying for rain, and he told his servant, would you go see if you see any clouds? The servant went back and forth seven times. Nope, nope, nope. Seven times. Nope, nope. And he comes back, he comes back and he says, no clouds. There's a cloud that's about... <laughs> about that big that was a sign when Jesus was coming to the earth when Mary was going to have a son named Jesus the sign was a star in the eastern sky how many of you have seen a star in the eastern sky how many of you have seen a cloud about this big How many of you have seen mountain peaks? God's people, his children, learn to have the courage to go, that's no coincidence. That's no coincidence. And what he's doing is he's taking us. And sometimes we got to go through some wind. Sometimes we go through some water. Sometimes we feel isolation. But he is taking us to a place where he can whisper and say, I want you to be able to see what no one else can see. That's a sign. There's something happening here. See, you can only teach what you have first learned yourself. And you have a responsibility, you have an assignment, and many of us need to recognize that we're in the middle of a classroom right now, and we're learning. And I know there's isolation going on, but a teacher never talks while you're taking the test. So we back up, we go through the process. The moment is making us who we are. But when we begin to share, we'll be able to look at certain things and say, hey, this is no coincidence. God's here. This is no coincidence. The blessing is, it can't be seen, but it's on its way. This is no coincidence. There's a cloud the size of a man's hand. This is no coincidence. I just want you to know, for those of you, if your faith is low, borrow mine this morning. I want you to know that God is moving you. He's not crushing you. He's moving you. He's pushing you along. He's pushing you along. He's pushing you along. Just like, just like, listen to this, just like you are stronger now because of the season that almost broke you. You are getting strong right now. Every season you're in is preparation for your next season. There's something next 
that you have to go through now. Some of us are in the gym, training camp. We don't like lifting weights. They're heavy. We shouldn't have to pick up heavy things. But there's something around the corner that has an assignment that requires strength. Success requires strength. And strength requires seasons. Build strength. I just want to let you know, God has special attention on you right now. Special attention on you right now. The boat is the safest place you can be. This house is the safest place you can be. Just hang on, girlfriend. This isn't in the Bible. But it's the white knuckle anointing. You just hang on. You just hang on. See, faith teaches us to grit our teeth through the storm. Every single... See, (laughs) I know I'm going long, but... Has anyone here lived enough life in the church where you know that a grandma is the best person to have pray for you, even if it's not your grandma? (laughs) Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I tell you what, grandmas can bring it down. And and I don't mean grandmas as in like they have two generations from their, from, no. If, If you're older than like, say, 60, and you've been walking with the Lord, particular. You you've learned to grit your teeth in the storm. And us that are not haven't hit that season where we haven't learned to grit our teeth, we come to you and say, "I haven't learned how to grit my teeth, but you have. Will you go to war for me because I'm weak?" We may feel weak, but we're learning to grit our teeth because pretty soon someone's going to be coming to you. And we got to teach. Last thing, and I promise. We teach what we know and we reproduce who we are. You learn to grit your teeth, your kids will learn to grit their teeth. Your kids will tell the story that they're watching right now. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. I just feel like I need to say this. I, I, I had a friend of mine that he missed the majority of his children's years because he was in prison. So his kids were like born and old by the time he got out. And he lived in guilt for so long because he wasn't the dad that he needed to be. He loved God. He got really serious about his relationship with God. And he, he constantly beat himself up because he, wasn't, he was an absent dad. Um, he actually became a Christian in prison. And so he always beat himself up. But his daughter said behind his back, my dad always gets up before any of us and he's always praying in the guest room. See, the enemy wants to tell us that it's too late. It's always too late. Let me tell you this. It's never too late 
never too late to start a new story with your wife, with your husband, with your kids. I don't know why I'm talking about this because it doesn't have anything to do with my sermon, but I just feel like God wants me to tell you it is never too late.